0: Welcome back! What a time of worship!
1: It was brilliant!
0: Yeah, and we told you we would see you again!
1: And here we are!
0: Look at that! Right, before Ian comes and preaches to us, uh, we're going to have a few notices.
1: So, on the 27th of June, Dave Shadbolt is coming and he's going to be running a prophetic workshop that's going to be online and that's going to run from 10am to 1pm and Dave's got a real gift for the prophetic and so if you'd want to find out a little bit more about the prophetic or actually dip your toes into the water, we'd really encourage you to sign up
0: and join yeah absolutely Uh, during this time of being virtual we can't really hand out the virtual offering baskets around and so uh, if you want to give to the church like we normally do we encourage you to look online uh, our hope church website or even at jasmine's email that she sends out weekly to just see the details of how you can still give and tithe to the church
1: on wednesday we have our weekly prayer meeting at 10 a.m and that's going to be online as well So if you haven't got the details, email Jasmine in the office and she'll
0: give them to you. Yeah, great. We also encourage those who have kids or youth to make sure that they are engaging with the kids work material that's sent out or what we do with Ignite. Because actually during this time, it's really important that we still integrate one another with those kind of works that we do as a church to make sure that as lockdown gets lifted, we're still united as a family in kids work and in youth as well. Uh, lastly, connect groups are going strong and they're going very well. If you want to know any more details about them or about anything else, we encourage you to email the Office uh, Hope Church email address, which is office at Hope Church, the number 7 oaksorg Right, I think that's it. That is. Great, I am parched, you know. Wait, 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 wait mm. no, no, no.
1: that's it for Ian. What? That's Ian's drink.
0: Oh, um, okay, okay, alright. I can solve this, I can solve this. Okay,
2: uh, Ian, right, here you go. Oh th- thanks, Jeeves. Need that. Okay, hi everyone. My name is Ian. I'm one of the elders at Hope Church. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the worship uh, in our service today. Uh, we'll be gathering together after this video ends live this morning on Sunday to meet on Zoom and uh, we can chat and pray together, and I hope to see you there. Today we're continuing in our Luke series. Today we find ourselves in Luke 12, 35-48. It's an interesting block of scripture where we get to question whether we are truly believing in Christ's return and whether we live our lives as though there is something after this life on earth. It can on first read appear a bit of a a difficult uh, parable from Jesus, but as we dig in and try to understand what Jesus is saying to his followers then and now, we'll see how it applies to us. Um, So Vicky and Dirk are going to read the scripture for us this morning, over to you guys.
1: The reading today is taken from Luke 12 verses 35 to 48. You must be ready. If he comes in the second watch or in the third, and he finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house is known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect.
3: Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set them over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and eat and drink and get drunk, Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrust much, they will demand the more.
2: Okay, thanks, uh, Dirk and Vicky. It's an interesting bit of scripture. And if we just remind ourselves of what Jesus was saying just before those verses in Luke 12, we firstly see that Jesus was telling us not to be anxious and then. At the end of that last bit of scripture that we looked at two weeks ago, he talked about putting our money or our treasures where um, our heart was and where it wouldn't grow old or rot. Do you remember that? It says in verse 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so Jesus is talking about those who choose to follow him and where their focus lies. He talked about that where your treasure and your heart is and then he's now talking about where your heart is and where your focus lies and now as we move on to this from verse 35 the first thing he says is to stay dressed and ready for action keep your lamps burning there's this sense of readiness from Jesus at the start of these verses so his disciples have just been instructed to trust God by not worrying and now he's turning his attentions to how they live and how does it outwork itself. How are the disciples and his followers today to live before God? How does this trust express itself? This is about living in the light of what is to come and that this life is not the end. You may know your Bibles and think well of course Jesus is talking about the second coming but if you put yourself in the disciples shoes or their sandals as it would have been for them this would have been difficult to understand they didn't even comprehend his death and resurrection yet let alone his second coming often Luke stresses in his gospel about the present kingdom that has come with Jesus arrival his incarnation but there's This look into the future about this decisive coming of the fully inaugurated kingdom. This is when Jesus returns to judge the whole earth and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. With that destination of time in mind this should affect how believers live their lives and treat others. With these parables as well they might seem strange at first or even harsh but I believe that God is trying to speak to us every time we read his word. So we, we, we need to try and understand what is being said in these verses. When he starts uh, with a call for readiness or in other vers- versions in verse 35, it says, let your loins be girded, a kind of reflection of Moses' instruction to Israel it, to eat the Passover in Exodus twelve eleven. To gird your loins was to kind of tuck your garment in uh, to your belt, almost ready to move quickly and to have the lamp to keep burning, which might seem obscure to us now with electricity, but it was a, a, a readiness to move in the darkness. Verse 36 to 38 calls his disciples again to be prepared. Is the servant waiting for his master to return home for a wedding feast, ready to open the door. And this master would indeed be very pleased uh, as a wedding feast could last several days. So the servant to be ready and waiting for him shows his faithfulness and his trustworthiness. The master's so pleased, he remarkably turns round and serves the servant whilst the servant reclines at the table when he talks about coming in the second or third watch of the night, being aware that Jesus could return at any time. I think it's helpful just to stop for a moment there. That um, and There's this theological word that you probably may have heard of, uh, eschatology, meaning the kind of end times, uh, Jesus' return, and people can come, become obsessed with it. But I think it can become a distraction. So I think what these verses are telling us to do is to, to not to constantly be looking for signs. Oh, you know, there's wars here or rumours of wars and, and we can waste lots of time trying to tie up prophecies and, uh, with scripture and world events. I don't think that's what these verses are telling us. It's not for us to know when uh, Jesus even instructed that just before he ascended. But what this depicts to us is that we should not forget that one day Jesus will return. We should labour now kind of with one eye fixed on heaven, looking for Jesus' return, being aware that he will evaluate how we lived before him. Have we been faithful with what he has, A, given us as talents and gifts, and B, what degree of revelation we have had and how we've used it, Have we rejected it? have we lived it out it's almost beatitude like as we follow through these verses it's uh, blessed are those who he finds awake blessed are those who is the faithful servant the picture of the servant reclining at the table whilst the master serves him reminds us of the great banquet table that the great banquet table that is talked about in the book of revelation where in the end time we will feast that sounds amazing doesn't it revelation 320 jesus is standing at the door and knocking and he comes in and he says he will eat with them jesus also refers to the table in the kingdom of god later in luke 13 verse 29 so jesus is emphasizing those who will be ready will be blessed. Verse 39 also talks about a thief coming. It's another reminder for us to be ready as what follows in the next few verses refers to unbelievers. He's saying if you know what's coming, if you have knowledge of the future, it would change how you live now. How many times have we heard the statement if we knew then what we know now? It would change. I, I, I wonder how things would look now if, if we knew how severe the pandemic would, be, would have been. What changes would we have made in advance? What decisions, what things would you have done differently in your life if you knew then what you knew now? I think I might have made one or two different decisions. If you know what's coming, there's a readiness, there's a preparation. And readiness can look like faithfulness in service and uh, constancy in witnessing. Be ready. He's coming back. Where do you stand before a holy God? Then we have this brief interruption from Peter. He wants to confirm with Jesus, "Who, who are you talking to, Jesus? Who are you addressing it to? He says, is this for us, for us? for all. In this it likely means that the us is the disciples, the followers of Christ and the all means everybody, the crowds gathered. The parable that Jesus just told was to Christian disciples but the outcome of the parable refers to people who I think are proved not to be Christians. This is where we move to Jesus talking about what I believe are differing degrees of revelation and often asked question What follows is Jesus here letting Peter know whether he has been faithful or unfaithful. Verse 42, he says, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household and give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant who his master will find so doing when he comes." Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. There's another blessed in this parable, the wise and faithful manager. Who might that be? Who might it appear to relate to now? He's talking about someone who has responsibility, who has stewardship over people. Someone who has been appointed. So... Leaders, elders, pastors, whoever, whatever responsibility you have, whatever area you are charged with doing, your duties need to be done faithfully until Christ's return. And at which point it will be good for you. It will be good for them. That's what that little section is pointing at, I think. And then in verse 45 to 46, what happens to those who are not faithful? Verse 45 says but if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Sounds really harsh, doesn't it? This. It can apply broadly, but it is also a reminder for everyone who serves in God's church. Pastors, leaders, deacons, overseers, whatever you want to call it, the one who uses their position and acts selfishly and cruelly or abusively is contrary to the master's, master's wishes and will be put with the unfaithful. It doesn't matter how many professions of faith he's made, doesn't matter how many he's led to Christ, It doesn't matter how orthodox he is, he's going to hell. That's what Jesus says. The master will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. The picture here is that what Jesus paints is someone who is abusing their position. It's essentially they're paying lip service to Christ, but is actually faithless. There's no outworking of their faith. What we read in these verses and the last few are hard to kind of reconcile with the message of grace and forgiveness that is at the heart of the gospel message. But it is true that when Jesus returns, the only hope that any of us have are found in the mercy of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. In his forgiveness, not in our own achievements. It is his faithfulness that saves us and not our own merit. Believers in Christ never need to fear that they might be condemned in the final judgment. So don't read these verses in the wrong way. However, Jesus never allows us to separate our trust in him from our obedience in him. Following Jesus' commands is like a mark that distinguishes a true believer, a true disciple of Christ distinguishes them from someone who merely pays lip service to Jesus as their master. They're essentially a disbelieving, faithless servant and there's a clear contrast between the two types of servant. The faithful servant is one that can anticipate their master's pleasure and rewards and the faithless one is one who can expect punishment. And these serve as a warning to us all to not fall asleep in this age, to not believe that this is all we're living for. In the last few verses, in verse 47 to 48, And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved the beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. There are unbelievers, I think he's talking about, who will not get the same punishment. The the principle will hold to whom much is given, much will be required. In this context, it means, I think, the more knowledge you have of God's will, the more accountable you are for it. And more accountable you are for doing it. This text carries huge implications for the understanding of justice, the justice of God in dealing with people around the world, some of who know God only through natural revelation rather than any gospel witness that they've never heard the gospel. We were only just speaking about this in Alpha this week and it's a great question to grapple with. In Romans 1, 18 to 23, we see though that every human being has enough knowledge of God to be held accountable before him at the judgment day. But how much more knowledge and more accountability is there for those who have sat under the gospel? People often ask, but what about those who have never heard the gospel? Well, the answer, I think, is based partly here in Luke 12, that no one will be judged, For not obeying the revelation they did not have. We will all be judged according to the knowledge of the truth we have access to. All of us, every human being on the planet has access, Paul says in Romans 1, to the knowledge of God. That he is to be thanked and he is to be glorified with all the implications that that carries. What seems to be related here is that even though believers in Christ, Because our sins are covered by the death of Christ, we are not punished by God at judgment. Nevertheless, there is a kind of suffering loss if our lives have been devoted in some measure to false teaching and false ways. Here's the verse that applies here from 1 Corinthians 3, 14 to 15. It says that if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. These verses are aimed at producing a response in Jesus' followers, in the crowd, and in us today. We can get so entangled with life, focused on other things, even good things like family, career, we can lose our focus. All of mankind is heading in one direction. The human race is not cyclical, it is linear. It is going in one direction. It doesn't go round and round but from creation to the end it is destined for the return of Jesus Christ. We always talk about that day but we lose focus. So will you live Your life for the mission. Will you be ready when he returns or when you cross the finish line? Start living for Christ now. Don't wait. Don't wait until the kids grow up or when you get the career promotion or when you move house or when you've got more time. Be ready. He's coming back. What if he came back right now? What would you do? Would you be pleased? Or would you think I've still got stuff I want to do? Would you feel ready? What are you living for now? Serve God with what he's given you and serve others. How can we be faithful? Fear the Lord, be bold in witness, be radically generous and care for those around us. And finally, obey his commands. Live the way that he calls us to live for his plan for your life and not your own. He's got better ideas than you have. And if you don't know what you're living for now, if you would would not call yourself a Christian and you're thinking, I'm not sure about this, but I want to have direction. Can I just say when you give your life to Jesus, when you become a Christian, he gives you a life and life in all its fullness. He gives you meaning and purpose. That you cannot find in any other area and you can come to him you can come to him right now by just praying a simple prayer all you have to do is call on his name and thank him for dying on the cross for you ask for his forgiveness for you turning your back on him i'm going to pray now very simply and you can just say these words in the quietness of your heart or out loud if you're on your own that's okay I'm gonna pray Jesus thank you that you died for me on the cross so that I can be forgiven please forgive me for my sin now come and take first place in my life And by the help of your Holy Spirit help me follow you and find what you have created me for. Amen. And let's pray church for our eyes to be fixed to be focused on the call of God and what he is going to do one day come back. Lord Jesus thank you that you you came and you died for us and that one day you're gonna come back and you're gonna make all things new you're gonna judge the living and the dead Lord help us not fix our eyes on the world around us too much let us not get too attached to everything that we might have or um, aspire to now but Lord help us keep work hard now but keep one eye fixed on you coming back Lord help us live faithfully help us fear you help us be bold in witness be radically generous help us be caring for those around us and help us obey you I pray in your name amen amen okay that's draw- drawn us to the end of uh, the sermon today I hope you've enjoyed that we're going to meet together if you're watching this live we're going to meet together on zoom at 11 We get to chat together, we get to pray together. So I really hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us today.